Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to 32 Fans. I'm Alex Chester. With me, as always, is Wheels Maynaker. Wheels, how's it rolling? Rolling great. I, I like when we have one of our annual shows. It's fun. We've been doing this for a while. And, uh, you know, six years into the podcast almost. There's certain things that people anticipate every year. One of them is this week. One of them is next week, right? Uh, best movies of the year is one of them. Next week, we're going to talk about the draft of Jordan Kalish. Um, the draft is a normal draft. Movies, on the other hand, it was a weird year for movies. I feel like there's very little buzz around the Oscars. So let's bring in our movie expert and uh, see if he could excite us more on the uh, year in movies 2020 and the Oscars. Yeah, can I change the subject for a second? Sure. The so, Oscars. So, so unfortunately, I am um, a coach for both my kids' uh, little league teams because I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. But I, I like ignored like the obligation, like all these forms you have to fill out to be a coach because I thought, listen. If they're going to yell at me because I didn't fill out the forms and kick me out, good. I won't be a coach anymore, which I don't really want to be anyways. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, I'm finally filling out the form now because I've been browbeaten. And one of the questions is, do you have children in the program? Yes or no? Yeah. What and kind of no. fucking maniac <laughs> <laughs> would say no? I am like, this is insanity. If you say no, no I think people question, coach. I think there are like college age kids or whatever that just like like to, it's coaching is fun. No, no, it's like something you put on your resume. No, 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 no. You might ump because you get paid fifteen dollars an hour. Being but unpaid. What's the coach, level? What's the level when you get paid? Yes, there's. It is not fun, and nobody would ever. If somebody would volunteer to do this, and their kid is not on the team, they would be put yeah. in prison. Call the police. Okay. I I, my little league coach was not uh, a parent of any one of my team. He was <laughs> a coach. He he coached every year. Probably his team. His kid was originally on the team, but uh-huh. he uh, he just really liked it, and he was the coach. Is, I, as is, far as I know, he didn't molest anyone. Is, is his sentence up, or is he still in prison? Yeah, that was my question. Oh <laughs> uh, well, he's. I believe he's dead. Uh, um, okay. My Boy Scout leader, though, prison, which usually my, happens to pedophiles, as I understand. My uh, my Boy Scout leader is uh, is also dead, uh, I believe, because he uh, he murdered his kids and then <laughs> was arrested. <laughs> and I First think he all, ultimately died. The, the craziest part of that sense is that you went to Boy Scouts on us. I, I didn't know Scout. that yeah. was a real thing. I was, I was in Boy, Boy Scouts Scout. for two years and we I was in Boy Scouts. And, yeah, I stopped being in Boy Scouts when the Boy Scout leader murdered his kids. <laughs> oh, that was like while you were there. Yeah, it was while we were there. So it was like your friends. No. Um, no, yeah, I mean, like I had, met the kid. I had met the kid. The kids, his kids were not in our Boy Scout troop again. So yeah, maybe this is red a flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He checked the, the no box. These, that's complete insanity. Um, all right. So, but he died in prison, or he died out of prison? 
I, don't I think he died in prison. I'm not 100%. Well, if he sure. killed multiple people, you'd like yeah. to think he probably never got out. No, no, no. I'm not sure he's dead. I believe he's dead. Uh, he definitely went to prison. He murdered right. both of his kids. Yeah. Send his name in the chat. But this is this is off to a horrendous start. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I, I'm continuing along on the survey. Have you ever been convicted or pled guilty to any crime involving or against a minor? Well, if that's yet, a good question. No, no, hold on. But Akiva, if yes, describe in full. No, no, no. If yes, if yes form if, over. Yes, yes. If yes, but, don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call you. <laughs> I agree. If yes, like you can't fill that out. I yeah. agree. When we did the uh, Renap census, I wanted to like have a question. Do you listen to Renap? And if the answer was no, like have the rest of the whole entry not count, but not tell them. So like to move the trolls out. Yeah. But I ended up not doing that. Yeah. All right. But uh, I, I don't I don't want to disrespect Av. His time is very valuable. He's here mm -hmm. to talk to Unlike, I mean, you, if you thought our time was valuable, you probably would have not shown up an hour late and been completely missing. We thought you were dead. To be fair, I was dead. told there were certain movies that I had to see in order to do this mm -hmm. podcast. And so I stayed up late watching movies last night. So it was preparation. Yeah, for the yeah, let's be very fair to you that you waited until the night before the podcast to catch yeah, up on five we, movies. We, this was like on the no, schedule well, for watching, five months. I, well, I've been watching movies over the last couple of weeks. Yesterday, I got yelled at for not for not like memorizing a form that was sent to me very briefly in January. No, it was sent to you last week. The, the, but, uh, the conversation was last week. I, today, I, created the, today, I created the form last week, Akiva. But you knew which dark. movies were the better movies. I've had. I've dropped this list in December, but you know. Yeah, and I've been watching you... them occasionally and slowly. No, you haven't. You saved. You saved like the Oscar winners for last night. Anyway. Well, I'm very excited to be here. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I, I look forward to this podcast probably more than anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, five years now. Very exciting. more than any other podcast or any other listener looks forward to it. What I'm sure that? I look forward to this more than any listener because, you know, I, I like I mean, you, you you're a bigger our, fan. You're saying that I'm a listener. humongous Av fan. I think I do a great job. One of the um, I look forward to being on. I look forward to listening back to it once, once it posts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been harassing you in our little side chat for months now. Yes. Uh, you know, when, when we do the podcast, when well, we do you're the podcast, probably used to a higher standard of uh, organization than 32 fans can really a slightly do. higher podcast. You know, I mean, I had some unreasonable requests. Like, when are we going to do it? Like, what's the yeah. format for the podcast? Maybe like be? a month, possibly. Like, yeah. are you guys going to watch the movies this year? Mm -hmm. You know, completely kind of like off the beaten path type questions. But, you know, it's, you know, I'm just trying to make a nice podcast for the listeners. Mm. Sounds good. Kind All of right, a bully. So let's make a nice podcast for the listeners. Let's get going. Let's do it. Well, it's, it's, your, it's your baby. So you lead us. Yeah, yeah okay, where, so, you know, where, where should we start? How many, uh, okay. We always ask the same year. question uh, uh, of how many yeah. movies did you see this year? And was this the worst year for movies that you can remember? Um, I mean, it was definitely That's a leading question. Yeah, um, it was definitely bad. And in, in a regard of, you know, normally the, the question you ask me is how many did you see and how many did you see in theaters? So the right. answer this year is I saw 83 movies and I think I saw like four in theaters, uh, which mm -hmm. is obviously, you know, and those much, were much all less. in like April and May um, snuck into movie theaters. No, I saw. Yeah, I saw like one in January, one in February. Are you ready then, to go back to movie theaters? Are movie theaters even open where you live? Uh, movie theaters are open. Um, they're, you know, limited capacity. I'm not like dying to rush back to go unless it's something that's like an event movie. Like mm -hmm. if Black Widow was out this week, I think I would probably go see that in theaters. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, most of these movies are like not the movie movies that are required to be seen in theaters right. necessarily. Um, well, that those types of movies they mostly delayed at this point. Correct, correct. Um, you know, other than like the HBO model that they've been doing, where they've been putting stuff. Well, on I HBO think they Max. knew that some of those were kind of clunkers and that it was easier. I, I like, I think they knew. That's why I'm skeptical of like the Sopranos spinoff and a couple more of those that like. Right. If they had absolute gold on their hands, I think they'd probably wait. But well, I think WB they knew did, like, their Woman entire was... 2021. But I think they knew it's up. 
They all of it. They like, it had like to they, be. they wrote off the whole year. I mean, Wonder Woman wasn't great, right? Wonder Woman wasn't good. Um, but Judas and the Black Messiah is in that category. And that's I'm, true. That but it, I don't know if that was going to be a big money making movie. That was just a good movie. fair, fair, fair. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely been a weird year. Um, just, you know, just off the top, you know, 2020 for, you know, purposes of the Oscars and for my purposes means January 1st, 2020 to February, February 28th, 2021. So, you know, there's that little extra window. So we're dealing with 14 months of window, movies instead of 12. Um, you know, I think that like the very best movies this year, I think, are not as good as the very best movies of other years. And I think some of that is just movies that were delayed or discarded to later. Um, some of that just might be coincidence. But, you know, I think if you look at like in terms of quantity of just like good, solid movies, I think there are as many good, solid movies this year as most. Yeah. OK, I, um, I don't think that's a crazy take. I think uh, you're, you're saying but there's like probably less B plus movies out there, right? Um, yeah, there's probably a little bit less at each, you know, tier. Um, but I think at the very, very top is probably where there's the most missing. Like, you know, last year, you know, it's comparing to last year is a little rough. Like last year had like three of my favorite movies of all time. And like there's nothing from this year that I think is going to reach that heights. But mm -hmm. there are still some like very strong, memorable movies. And there's a lot of good stuff. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff on streaming that is available for people to see. And there's a lot of stuff that's worth seeing. So, you know, I don't think that the year 2020 should be written off as a movie year by any degree. And, you know, we'll, uh, I guess, touch on some of the highlights and lowlights of the year and give some people some good recommendations on what to see and what to skip. All right. Yeah, yeah I've I always had some movies that that people have never heard of because he goes he goes deep. We're going to say, Alex, I was going to say, I think that there is um, a positive to not a positive to not being able to see movies in theaters, but as a consequence of that, you know, you can see things on streaming now much more frequently, much more easily. Um, you know, you don't have to go to like, you know, random Chinese websites or whatever. You know, you can last night. I, I, you just, you know, you turn on your TV, you search a movie and you say, oh, it's on this app and you pay four ninety nine in here. You get to watch this movie. And so it's uh, it's much more convenient to watch uh, new releases. Yeah, there's definitely, some, there's definitely something more convenient. What I always say is that the best thing about watching movies at home is that you can pause. But the worst thing about watching movies at home is that you can pause. Um, yeah. And that, to me, like, that's the main thing that I lose by going to the theater is not just like the big screen and the sound, which is obviously awesome for the right type of movie. But it's also just sitting in a movie for two hours and just watching the movie straight the way it's intended to be seen without interruptions, without distractions and just like taking it all in as like a singular thing, um, you know, which kind of gets into the whole notion of like what is even a movie these days? Like, you know, when you talk about something like small acts, which is like five interconnected like sh short films versus the Irishman which is a four-hour thing on Netflix that could be separated into chapters versus you know the Snyder cut which is the same thing well but hold on but the Irishman has only itself to blame all right if you don't want people to pause and take breaks don't make your movie that long oh no I'm, I'm not saying blame or not I'm just saying it's like what is a tv show what is a movie what is okay, a miniseries yeah, it's true. kind of just like all everything is just something you could watch on your tv now in four hours like what makes it a movie or a tv show other than like what somebody decided to call it yeah um, all right. So um, what was the worst movie you saw this year? The worst movie I saw this year was actually the first movie I saw this year, um, which is a, an interesting dis distinction. Last uh, winter break, I was with my kids in L.A. and I had them for the day because my wife had to go work that day. So I said, what am I going to do with these kids for an entire day? I'll take them to see a movie. And the only movie playing was Doolittle, starring Robert Downey Jr., his first movie post Avengers. Um, not a very good choice. Uh, absolutely awful. There is a... Uh, a very disturbing scene that involves like giving an enema to an animal, um, you know, just like a horrible recreation of a movie that 
I, I think even the first iteration wasn't that good. The second iteration was not that good. I don't know why they keep going back to the well on Doolittle. Um, but, you know, here it is, my 83rd and worst ranked movie of 2020. Well, so my question is, did your kids like it at all? Yeah, of course. They like every movie. they see. OK, so yeah, that's, 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 the, that's the answer to the question. Why they keep remaking it? Yeah, I mean, my, my kids like well, someone will come over the house like, do you want to watch Home Alone 5 with us? Like, like, the, you know, they like they'll kids watch pretty much anything that has like a few pratfalls and jokes and they'll be fine. Yeah. I sent you Home Alone 4 for the uh, crappy movie diaper. Yeah, um, it, you at Sonic the Hedgehog was the second worst movie you saw this year. Well, yeah, um, yeah, those the uh, the animated movies didn't do well. Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog, I also thought like was completely horrible. Jim Carrey, I just I couldn't stand that portrayal. I know a lot of people were I know people that liked it. Um, I guess I, you know, I just didn't have that experience. I thought it was just like really, really rough. All right, uh, let's get into the better stuff and you could take the lead here. All right, what's what are you know, let's let's start counting down. Give us some give us some highlights and lowlights from your list. All right. How far how far are we jumping here now? Wherever you want, wherever you want to jump. OK, um, I know you, Akiv, you liked Kajillionaire and a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. Um, to well, me, that's it keeps us plenty of money. So it speaks to. Him. Yeah. Um, to me, it just did you see shoplifters from a couple of years ago? Uh, no, I don't think so. Or maybe I okay. saw the beginning of it. Yeah. So that's like it's a Japanese movie about like this family. It's like a surrogate family that like steals stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Maybe I did see it, but I, it, and I don't. So like Kajillionaire just like felt like it was trying. I think, to Akiv, do I think that was called Parasite. Not, no, 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 no. That was Korean. That was a joke. Oh, OK. But a family that steals um, stuff together. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So Kajillionaire, um, a lot of people were really high on and I was really excited about it, but I just found like the quirkiness of the family to just be very off pitting. I just never, it found like, it felt to me like these were characters that were just like conceived in a writer's room, but like never built into believable real life characters. Um, I think you like this one more than me. Yeah, I liked it. Again, I didn't see that many movies. So to me, something in the eight, nine, 10, 11 range on my list probably would have been outside the top 20 in a normal year where I saw more uh-huh. films but yeah i, I it definitely it was 10 for me kajillionaire it had something to say it to me it had a unique point of view maybe if i had remembered shoplifters it would have heard it but like it has some of the more bizarre characters in uh yeah in- really weird like very just weird style of humor that just like nothing really ever landed for me so um you know that could just be more of a personal thing akiba how many movies did you see this year i saw like 20 something okay so it's not that movies many. 10 it's it's above average for you yeah i'll say this uh, I always say I don't go back and watch old movies, but this year, because there were months where there was really nothing to see, I went back this year and watched a bunch of old movies. Well, we might, and we don't need to discuss it on the podcast, but we might be asking you to watch more old movies for another uh, featured uh, 32 okay. episode. All right, that's fine. Um, all right, so, yeah, Kajillionaire, you didn't like. Um, uh, what about, uh, all right, let's let's get into the, the better movies. What about Minari? Minari is nominated for Best Picture. You have it at 34. It is, the wor- according to you, the worst of the Best Picture nominees. Yeah, to me, it's the worst by a considerable degree. And like, I get, like, I, I, I admire the things in the movie that are making people really rave about it. Just like the, the, the filmmaking and the craftsmanship is very rich. And, um, you know, the, the acting performances are very good. Um, I just like found that there was like really little, very little there there um, with regard to any sort of plot. Um, it just kind of felt like very plotting to me. Um, and like the, you know, the dynamic grandma just felt like very tropey to me and like a, a character that I've seen so many times before that it just like didn't really move me that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's some interesting things in there and like there's, you know, very beautiful landscape, but like there's only so much I could look at beautiful landscape and just call it a movie. 
Um, yeah, uh, interesting. The, you also have uh, 33 of First Cow, which is another movie on my top 10 list. I actually had it at four on the year. I really liked it. It's directed by Kelly Reichard. makes a lot of really small movies. Uh, my favorite of them is Wendy and Lucy, which is the Michelle Williams, who's like homeless and she has a, a dog. Um, yes, and, that's and, definitely and she, her best. Yeah, and she also has that like uh, environmentals blow up the thing, which I think there's like another one. I think there's like an Armageddon Deep Impact of those also. There's, there was like two that came out at a certain time and certain women was hers. Uh, yeah, I thought that I think I think like uh, if you like sort of like uh, small movies that like there isn't a lot of speaking and they're set in like the 1800s, but it's it's like really well made and every scene is beautiful. Like, that's good. But it's not for everybody. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, and like some of it just might be like the time and like quality that I'm in when I'm watching a particular movie. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of like rich character work in her movies. Um, just like this one was not one of my favorites. Um, as you said, Wendy and Lucy is the one that I would start with if you wanted to just see what she's all about. But if you don't like Wendy and Lucy, you're probably not going to like the rest. All right. Uh, 20, what's freaky on your list? Yeah, so freaky. I'm gonna, well, maybe I'll talk about these back to back. Freaky and the platform. Yeah, uh, I've never heard two, of either. Um, yeah, they're two like kind of like twisty horror movies. Uh, so freaky is really just like a reinvention of Freaky Friday. Um, it's like a body switch movie, but it's just like hilarious because it's Vince Vaughn is is like plays the serial killer and he switches bodies with like a 13 year old high school girl. So mm -hmm. like, if the idea of seeing Vince Vaughn playing a high school girl, you know, tickles your fancy, then this is for you. Um, and it's a comedy. It's like a horror slash comedy. Like there's some very gruesome kills in it. So like if you're, you know, if that's really going to scare you away, then I guess don't bother. Um, but it's just like, to me, it's just the, the physical comedy of Vince Vaughn playing a, a high school girl. It was just like hilarious. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's just like a fun horror comedy. Um, Platform is, is a Spanish horror movie. It's like very dripping with social satire. I don't know if you remember, there was like a reward in uh, in Heroes uh, versus Hustlers versus Healers where like they go to get food and like each person gets to eat as much as they want and then lets the next person go. And like they basically decide how much food is left for the next person. I don't know if you remember that. So the platform is like basically that same idea just in the context of a prison where every day there's like this huge platform of food that starts at, uh, at like the top hundredth floor of this prison and the people at the top floor get to eat as much as they want. And then after like a few minutes, it starts descending and it's, and it stops on each floor until it gets all the way down to the bottom. And basically however much is left for the people at the bottom is whatever amount the people above them leave for them. Um, so it's just like, obviously like the, you know, the social commentary is like very um, heavy handed. Like there's not a lot of subtlety there, but it was just like really inventive and also a lot of uh, body horror. So again, if, if that's your thing, great. If not, not. But just like a very uh, interesting twist on, I think, you know, classic horror conventions that I was like very taken by. Hmm. OK, uh, next up on the best picture noms list, The Father at 22. Yeah. Did you guys see this one? I have not seen The Father. Alex, you saw The Father? It. No, I saw the trailer and, you know, dementia. Yeah. So what what it does that is very different from other, you know, dimensions, which Alzheimer's I was just movies. accused of being uh, likely to, to have by uh, our mutual friend. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe son. Yeah. Oh, OK. Um, yeah, I don't think you have dementia. I mean, maybe one day. Well, yeah, that's what he said. He just said I'm more okay. likely to have it one day. You have a medium onset Alzheimer's. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so what the father does differently, and I think very um, artistically in a way that is not, you know, is different from other, you know, dementia movies of the past is that it much more puts you in the shoes of the person who has the illness. And you kind of get to see things from his perspective and like 
they like they'll have like a character that kind of like it changes who she is at one point and like you're not sure what's real and what's not and like you see him like trying to like anchor on to certain aspects of reality and like use those to like figure out everything that's going on and like not wanting to admit to other people that he doesn't really understand what's going on and to me like that was like revolutionary in a way just like the filmmaking of doing that was just like a really immersive experience to actually like be in the head of someone who like can't necessarily separate fact from fiction and real from fake um okay interesting um all right let's go down into the top 20 mank at number 19 mank is nominated for best picture i think i would need 150 dollars just to uh watch Mank. yeah this is not yeah. a key kind of movie you're not gonna like this yeah. um yeah i mean so, so the best thing about mank is the screenplay by far it's just like littered with just like great lines of dialogue i even like my uh my review of mank was just like the, my top 10 of the, the best lines of dialogue in Mank. Um, it does have like a lot of really interesting things to say about like the power of the studio system and like who is like the real creator of a piece of art. Is it the writer? Is it the director? Is it the studio? Like who really made something um, and the way in which, you know, Hollywood like projects as this like very progressive aspect of our culture but like there are ways in which the people controlling the levers and that actually have the power are like deeply conservative and just trying to like preserve their own self-interest and control um so like it's it has a lot to say about that sort of stuff and you know it's if you're into like old hollywood and you know telling stories about that and like that sort of stories of the Hollywood uh, system of yesteryear that it's for you if not then it's like definitely not like there's really not much else that is gonna like attract you to it like it's in black and white it like shifts back and forth it's uh ostensibly about the making of citizen kane but it's really like that takes a back seat uh just like seeing uh herman mankiewicz like in bed just like yelling like you know very well written barbs at his uh secretary and other stuff so you know again not for everyone i enjoyed it um but you know not a key movie maybe a chester movie um i i mean my issue is i, I just hate hollywood having its head up its own ass when they make like movies about Hollywood and then they love them and then they, you know, what yeah, this or the artist or. But I don't think this was like up its own ass because I think it's it really um, takes Hollywood of yesteryear to task in a lot of ways. I mean, it's like it does not have like glamorizing things to say about most of the people in this movie. No, no. But uh, what I'm saying is about the process of movie making and like they love mm -hmm. to make movies about making movies and they think that's so interesting to everybody else. And I really don't think it is. And I did see it, but, you know, but uh, um. I just I, I hate I hate the percentage of movies that are about making movies and are about Hollywood. Yeah, mm -hmm. I hear you. Um, so you're not so you're not going to be uh, entering uh, Myers Gonsamishbaka is what you're saying. Hmm. I don't get that, but OK, he's uh, what he says. That's what MGM stands for. Myers Gonsamishbaka. Oh, OK. What does oh, uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar? Barb and Star, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Mar is the movie that you're as you're watching it, you're like, oh, I'm watching a cult classic of 20 years from now. Um, it was it's written by the uh, writers of Bridesmaids. Should, should we Wade. note that it's 420 today? It is 420 today. So, yeah, it might be a good day to watch Barb and Star go to Villas Festival. Is that where you were late, yeah. Alex? Oh, well, call. I didn't even think of that. Oh, by the way, we, we had a uh, podcast request for 420, which I totally forgot about from uh, yeah. one of our listeners. All right. Next year. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's um, it's like the wackiest, silliest movie I've seen in years. Um, so it's like really not for everyone. Like I completely like ate it up. Um, it's with Kristen Wiig. Um, I forgot who plays the other woman. Um, but it's just like it's kind of like Wayne's World Isn't and Austin Mumolo? Powers. Isn't it Annie Mumolo? Yeah, I think that's her name. Yeah. 
Um, so it's like kind of like Wayne's World meets Austin Powers. Um, it's like they play these like two like Fargo women from the Midwest who like go to this like bizarro retreat um, in somewhere in Florida, some like Delray Beach or whatever. And at the same time, there's just like this like Austin Powers, someone like trying to like take over the world plot happening with uh, Tilda Swinton. And it just has these like random musical sequences that are hilarious. And, you know, Morgan Freeman cameo as like a narrating crab. So it's like spoiler. It's, it's a, yeah, whatever. It's a really uh, Bonkos movie uh, that just like made me laugh from beginning. This to end. guy's uh, Bonkos. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's get into the top 12. Let's, we can go one by one here. Yeah. Okay. Judas and the Black Messiah. But I will, like, I start, but I will say, like, yeah. uh, it's sort of weird to me how Barb and Star go to Vista Tomar was so. And I mean, this is true of so many movies. Um, sort of so under the radar. I hadn't yeah, even heard very, about it until I saw I your never list. Heard of it also. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't heard of it until the day it came out. And like, I heard I saw people like gushing about it on Twitter. So I was like, all right, I'll rent this and see if I like it. And I loved it. Um, I, I'll uh, Elko Jeff Kanata from the Slash Film Podcast. I said he rented it and his major regret was that he paid $20 and he didn't own it. Like he's like, I only wish that I had could have paid more money to own it. Now I'm gonna have to. Just yeah, this is the it. kind of movie I feel like that people who like it are going to see it many, many times. Yeah, a 15 year old me would see this movie 30 times and like basically have it memorized. Hmm. Um, okay, interesting. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah 12. That's also nominated for Best Picture. I started watching it, it was very late at night. I didn't get through it, uh, so it did not make my top 10 list, but I liked what I had seen so far. Wait, 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 hold on a second. So you like a movie, but then mm -hmm. you stop seeing it? I've never heard of this before. I fell asleep. But it was like three in the morning. But, th but then why not? If you liked it, why not? It was just a few days ago. I haven't. I'm a busy man. I haven't got back to it. I'll get there. Just not in time for the podcast. Mm. OK. All right. Yeah. So I liked I like Judas and Black Messiah a lot. I think there are some fair criticisms of it. I think um, the main is that I think the uh, the screenplay is a little rough um, in terms of just like the framing of the movie. Like, I don't know why they chose to frame it as this kind of like quasi police procedural where it's like. This, it's framed as a story of Lakeith Stanfield's character being arrested and like questioned by the FBI and like using that as a window into telling the story of Fred Hampton. Um, like I would have preferred a story that was just like more uh, principally about Fred Hampton and like tell like fleshing out his character more and like delving more into the politics of, you know, the combination of like the black revolutionaries and socialism and the ways in which those two ideas are interconnected. Um, but like, I thought that the filmmaking was phenomenal. I thought the two acting performances by Kaluuya and Stanfield, um, you know, their first reunion since Get Out, both of them are incredible. Um, you know, very different performances that really complement each other. They both just do like amazing acting with their eyes. Uh, Kaluuya in a much more menacing way. Uh, Stanfield, you know, just constantly with like this like empty like look of fear in his eyes and like you know a person who is like ambivalent about everything that's going on but kind of got drawn into it and like is just trying to like find a way out for himself to for towards self-preservation um but just like yeah i mean this this movie is like very clear about what its point of view is what its agenda is um and you know i think if the movie is better for it even if like there are valid criticisms of the way in which it frames things well, so my biggest issue, which is something I know we've discussed in the 32 fans movies sub chat a lot, is the fact that uh, when this movie takes place, the actual ages of the main two uh, protagonists are 18 and 17. Is that right? When it starts? 
Um, yeah, when it starts, I think. And it's insane. It when he it's, was killed, yeah. it's completely insane that that isn't dis- like Lakeith Stanfield plays this like like very disdainful figure, but he's a 17 year old kid, and that like totally changes it. And part of it is because the actors are in like their mid 30s, but like it's also I think Fred Hampton, the fact that he was like you know the biggest leader of like you know the African American community in Chicago at the age of eight or even beyond that, frankly, at the age of 18 to 20 makes the story even more amazing. And so, again, part of with the actors and it's sort of to keep talking about, wow, I can't believe you're only 18 when, you know, the actors are, you know, 35 would be kind of awkward, I guess. But like to me, that's the most incredible part of the actual true story, uh, which the movie really doesn't take advantage of explaining. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Fred Hampton was so young and was like so such like a gifted like speaker and leader and just like able to like command that much force and attention at that young age is is that's what you know it's that's why like I want a, a better Fred Hampton movie in a way like I want yeah. more of his story. But I also think that like the movie wants to portray Bill O'Neill in in a in a in a, in a negative way, which wouldn't be as easy to do if you remember that he was actually seventeen years old. Because when you realize right. that, I think the decisions he makes are not justifiable, just much more. You know, you look at them in a very different way because it's a seventeen year old kid, not you know a man making these decisions, right? Right. And yeah, I mean, a 17 year old kid who got well, well, very far in over his head and just yeah. like it basically well, has the starts, FBI yeah. harassing him yeah. and, you know, kind of just like does the best that he can to, uh, you know, stay alive. Um, Interesting. OK, number 11, you, you said to me was going to be my number one movie of the year. You said I, I, I saw your number one movie of the year here. You saw it. It was number six. Okay. And and you know probably closer to seven and eight than to three four and five. Okay. No Madland. So I get why people thought I would love it, but I just didn't fully buy into the world that I was I was in. And sometimes it's a mood, you know. Yeah. But- you. I mean, you you tend to like these movies that are kind of like a like meandering a little bit and like mm-hmm. focusing on like people at the fringes of society, the American like, society, like poverty yeah. things like that. So yeah. American Honey and. Florida Project, uh, Florida Project. Very similar. This is just, you know, West Coast. Well, American Honey, I think, is in California also. Right. But um, yeah, it was in so. Florida. I don't remember. But uh, but uh, yeah. So Nomadland was good, but it was not my number one. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, but, not, uh, what not... I want to. Yeah. Tell me more about why you thought Nomadland, which I just saw last night, why you thought it would be Keeves number one. And is this we the just, Oscar just, favorite? We, this is the Oscar favorite. It's a it's a, and it's a heavy favorite. It, it's uh, almost certainly going to win. Um. You know, there's people are trying to make cases for others, but it's basically been sweeping everything until now. Um, Chloe Zhao is basically, you know, as much of a lock as there ever is at the Oscars to win Best Director. Um, I think she's like minus 3000 on the betting lines. Um, Like she's, you know, she's definitely going to win. The movie is very likely going to win. You know, the the only other movies that really have a chance, I think, are Trialish and Promising Young Woman. And uh, I think either of those, a lot more people angry than No Man Ladwell. So I think that's the safe bet. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I was I really like this movie. I really appreciated it. I I don't love it as much as other people. Again, there's just like not enough of a story there. And like, while each of like the little you know, kind of like mini episodes she has where she goes and like she hangs out with this one a little bit and goes to that one, like started to feel just like a little redundant to me, um, like kind of like halfway through. But it just like it does really beautifully capture this character of like this person that is just like trying to hold on to the life she used to have and like a community that's like built around people who like share that feeling, um, which I think is like a really powerful idea and it's like a, a thing that we don't usually see on screen that much um it also like really hit me as a movie and like i know it's easy to say that about a lot of movies this year but like idea of like what we've i think all experienced by like having like a more 
minimalist lifestyle in certain ways, kind of like reprioritizes what's important to you and what's not. And like the way that she like is holding on to these like plates that her father gave her because like they have this like nostalgia to her. And like, I think the, like the, the power of nostalgia and like both for good and for bad, I think runs very deeply through this movie. Um, like the way that like our society tends to, um, you know, look back at like certain periods of American history as like, like that's the time when like America became America. And like, we don't think about the people that were left behind now, left behind during those times. We just really mm -hmm. more, you know, our politics more focuses on the people that are being left behind as a result of the changes. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, you know, it definitely it cuts both ways. And I thought there was a, a lot to really admire about this movie. And, you know, I definitely understand why people love it. Can I just say to the can I just say to the to the broken plate um, as someone who has both tried to glue back together a broken plate and also has had professionals do it for me. Like she did, it was way too easy for her to do that. Like when you break a plate, it's not just like big, even pieces. There's always like the little shards that make it like, you know, it never looks the same. Um, I have two big issues with this. Yeah, movie. What, so, yeah, yeah, sorry. Do you have, do you have comments on my 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 plate breaking complaint? No, no. Let's get to talk oh. about the movie. So my, my first issue is there is not a single person in this entire movie in the entire cast of many, many people who's not like just like a really nice, good person. Like, there, like there's like no grade any character in this movie. Every single person is purely good. Every person she ever meets is like only nice. There's like no conflict in this movie at all. Oh, I mean, I think the, the conflict is like the inner conflict of the character and like who is, you know, she's you know, sure, embarking like, on this lifestyle. But but every single person she meets is like purely nice, purely good, supportive, friendly, helpful. Like never is there anybody in the movie who I mean, the worst you could possibly say is at one point in the movie, one person says, hey, you can't park here tonight. That's like the meanest or most negative thing anyone does in the movie the entire time. Uh, she actually she actually doesn't. She actually says you can park here, but you need help. Um, no, 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 later, a different, no, no, later, a different person. Says uh, later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I so mean, that, like, there, yeah. you know, it's kind of alluded to, like, the, her friend, like, kind of, like, gives her, like, you know, you know, choose her out that, like, she's not being careful that, like, you know, if you if you act this way, you can really, you know, get yourself hurt, like, you know, just living in an RV in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, I mean, I, I get your point. I just, you know, that's not, you know, that's not what the movie is getting. It's really just trying to, like, yeah. showcase this lifestyle. I mean, but and you, you might not know the, the most of the actors in this movie are not actors. Like, the most of the nomads are real life nomads. I didn't that know she that. I mean, like my wife was saying, as someone who, uh, you know, Jen has a lot of experience as a doctor, like she, she treats people who, uh, you know, not nomads living out west, but people who are, you know, uh, you know, non-traditional lifestyle, like there's significant levels of mental illness and like, you know, a lot like one guy says how he has PTSD at one point, just like, I don't know, it, like everybody in everybody in this life seems to have like a good life for the most part. And I guess and that leads to my second issue with the movie, which is sort of a political issue, which is like. You know, when the movie started, I said, wow, this movie is really important, I think, because it, it, it in a way, almost like Precious was in that it really casts a, a, a light on people who, you know, who are living in our country who have very different circumstances than us. And, you know, we are, you know, are very privileged and very spoiled and take a lot for granted. And, you know, for, for most people, you know, they say like a majority of Americans wouldn't have like four hundred dollars in an emergency or whatever. Um and, 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 the, and in the beginning of this movie, I think I thought that's what it was sort of doing. But then it turns out and it's but then it turns out, oh, no, don't worry. Actually, um, these people all have choices and they have access to, you know, wealthy or, or at least financially, you know, comfortable relatives. And they're just making a choice to live like this. But really, if they wanted if they wanted to, they could have, you know, a, home, a, a roof over their head and, you know, like uh, three solid meals a day. And it almost like. I almost think the politics of this movie are almost harmful because the first half of this movie, I thought it, part of the message is like the importance of social safety nets and a, and, a, and a caring government. And then it seems like, oh, no, no, you don't really need to do any of that because everybody, you know, if, if you see somebody who's living in their van, you don't have to feel bad for them. They're, they're choosing this. You know, they, they they have enough resources. They're just choosing not to take advantage of them. And so that's sort of frustrating. Yeah, me, I, I mean. Thought. 
I definitely, I definitely yeah, hear your point. Yeah, I, I think like, that's what, not the, what the movie's doing, but. Well, so what, just to like respond to that, I think what, you know, what one could respond to that is that, like, yes, it's like these people do have choices. And like the fact that like their town was basically shuttered by the closing of this factory, like, and there are other opportunities for them to go, you know, seek out, like, is all well and good, except for like the people that just like really wanted to just stay in their town and like have their town continue the way it was. And like, they're not, it's not necessarily for everyone just about, you know, the financial opportunities. It's also about like a way of life and a, and a sense of community that was taken from them. Sure. But automation and in the changing economy, like, like that's not like that, that's, that's an unpreventable thing. And the question is, what do we do about it? And, I agree. And, and this movie yeah, seems to imply, you know, we can mourn it, but there's nothing we really need to do about it on a policy level. They don't say yeah, that. I mean, but, but right. I think one could easily draw that conclusion, which I think is a little problem. Yeah, that's 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 certainly reasonable. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just more trying to focus on like the human stories sure, rather sure. than the politics. Yeah. I just I don't understand why this is like the the runaway automatically going to win all the Oscars. I mean, Frances McDormand mm-hmm. is great; she always is. But um, the movie yeah. itself, it was fine. But eh. yeah, I agree. I you know obviously there are ten movies that I like better this year, so I don't think it's a clear runaway at all. Um, I do think that just like the craft of it and the filmmaking of it is as good as any movie this year, and I think that's what people are focusing on. All right, let's go uh, ten through six. Let's do quick hits before we get to the top five, where we have sure. I have more. Dig- all right, Sound of Metal. Give me thirty seconds on Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal, uh, Riz Ahmed plays a heavy metal drummer who learns that he's going deaf and he has to like really grapple with that. He has a history of, you know, alcohol or drug abuse and, you know, straining relationships. And it's very much about him trying to, you know, incorporate this new um, disability or uh, hearing impairment. I don't know the right word. Um, and like kind of like accepting this new identity. Um, it was also just like really interesting. It was like an idea that I had heard before, but never really seen that um, this idea that like the, the deaf community uh, is kind of like mourning the kind of like the eradication of deafness in a way. Mm-hmm, in yeah. that they, they're like, it's, uh, it's very close to basically being solved. And mm-hmm. it's like a culture that is, you know, going to slowly be erased as there's like eventually going to no longer be too many deaf people. And, you know, there's this whole idea in the movie of like, you know, if you're going to go get, you know, your hearing fixed or, you know, uh, improved in some way that like you're no longer welcome as part of our community because like we don't support that was just like very interesting. It's like yeah. Larry David does bl- about bald people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A black bear at nine. Uh, so I have to say Sound of Metal, Akiva's trying to rush us through, but um, it, it's it's. I actually liked the beginning of this movie, but then I thought it sort of got very slow. And by the way, another movie about people living in their RV, by the way, uh, second in a row. Yeah. And and I actually I just I said quit, eleven, by the way. I quit this movie halfway through, actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I went on Wikipedia to sort so. of to sort of read how how it ended. It just uh, yeah, I thought it was a little bit slow, and I thought uh, you know, so I didn't love it. Obviously, if I quit it yeah. halfway through. What's Black Bear? Black Bear. Um, I will try not to say much about it because it's like it's one of those where like you're best not knowing much going in. Um, what I will say is that it's definitely not for everybody. It's very high concept, um, pretty esoteric, and like it's basically like this like mind bending look at the creative process of making a movie or a work of art. So mm-hmm. Chester's already written it off, I guess, because he doesn't like movies about movies. Uh, <laughs> but it it uh, it has Aubrey Plaza in it in what I think is her best role to date. And I'm a huge Aubrey Plaza fan. So that's like a lot coming from me. I like her in almost everything I've ever seen her in. And she just completely carries this movie, gives a performance that's unlike anything that I've seen her do before. Um, it's like this like blend of like horror elements with like dark comedy. Um, it was like really my jam, but you know, if, if, if it's like a high concept, like mind bending, like weird thing where like point of view changes and the story changes halfway through, um, doesn't sound like your thing, then it's probably best to skip it. 
Uh, yeah, I have not seen this movie. What about the at number eight? It's the trial of the Chicago seven. Yeah. So trial of Chicago seven has uh, gets a lot of uh, a lot of criticism. A lot of people uh, didn't love it. I'm completely in the tank for Aaron Sorkin. I'm not going to apologize for that. I love what he does with the English language. I love the way he the, the patter of his characters talking. Um, and I think this movie has a lot of interesting things to say as well. You know, it tells this story of the, you know, the protests slash riots in Chicago um, during the 1968 Democratic National Convention. And, you know, really it, it uses the trial of the seven people who were tried for like conspiracy to cause the uh, unrest um, as like the framing device to tell the story. And it's like superbly acted. Almost everyone in this movie, I think, is really great. Um, and I think, you know, kind of like balancing this idea between like the practicality of like winning political fights versus the idealism and radicalism of, you know, promoting like the true ideas of what you want to be seen and the way those clash like within the left and not just like a left versus right battle, but like a left versus even more left battle was just you know, very interesting and like not stories that usually get told in that framework. And I just loved it. I love everything that he does, though. So I'm kind of in a tank. Alex, me so. your mic while the baby's crying. So um, wait, so. As the, someone, the, wait, Akiva, uh, did you not see it? Yeah. Trial of Chicago 7, I didn't see yeah. it. Yeah. So I, I would say this. As someone who strongly dislikes Sorkin, um, so I'm coming from the opposite perspective of Av, I still thought, like, I think everybody should watch this movie. I thought it was highly entertaining. Uh, you know, you, you may have issues with it, and that's fair, but it, you can't say that you're not entertained for an hour and a half. I, I th- you know, the, the obviously yeah, it has a, it has a tremendous cat. It has a tremendous cast. It's very, very funny. Um, and, you know, I just, I just, sorry, my son's, my son did not like it, obviously. But I just thought, I thought mm. it was very good. And I thought it was very funny and very entertaining and, and a good cast. And, 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 and if you don't know the story, I mean, my wife didn't know anything about the story and she really liked it. And I thought I knew a lot about the story and I really liked it. So um, I would, I, th- I think it's a movie that, that everybody will enjoy, even if you can complain about it afterwards. But that's part of the fun of movies, I think. Yeah. Uh, number, number seven, shit house. I didn't know this been seeing this movie. I think anyone listening will like it. I'll say this. The director cast him, the guy who directed probably wrote the movie also, I think, cast yeah, himself wrote, as the lead. Wrote, he, and I yeah. think he missed. I think he should not have been the lead. I don't think he's attractive enough um, for like this role, like likable. He kind of just looks like smarmy and douchey. And I don't think he should have been the lead guy. I Can think, we cancel uh, Akiva for so that you, take? So like, are you saying like, because you want it to be like a kind of like a little nebbier? Is that what you're saying? Like, No, not of- nebbier. I just think like he, he I, I don't know. He was like a little bit. I, I don't know. I, I wasn't rooting for him. Maybe it's yeah. a me thing. He has yeah, like a so- punchable face. I don't know. I very much viewed this as like kind of a spiritual sequel to eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like, I really, I thought it was just like a really interesting story to tell. Cause like college movies, like, and like the party scene and the fraternities are almost always told as just like this, like fun, exciting time in people's life. And mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting to tell a story about someone who goes to college and it's just like not fitting in. And it's like, not what everyone made it out to be. And he's homesick. Um, you know, it's definitely resonated with me. I like, I've definitely experienced that at certain points in my life when like I went off to like new schools or new places and like those stories just like never get told in movies. Um, and I just thought it was like really great. Um, yeah, I, th- I, I, yeah, I thought Dylan Glue was great. Cooper Rafe, by the way, is, is the director, writer, yeah. uh, lead star. I, I, first of all, it's very realistic, right? The idea of like a guy who has no friends freshman year in a huge college and is like 50 50 over the, whether he wants to say he's homesick is a, is a pretty universal American story, right? Lots, many thousands of people have gone through this. Uh, like it's a pretty realistic movie. I'll say the ending. I didn't like it. I won't I won't go any further because most people who are listening have not seen the movie. 
uh, and talking okay. about the ending. Now, Ab, yeah. let me ask you a question. You, you know, I said to you, like, tell me which movies I have to see. This was not on your list of movies I had to see, but it's number seven on your list. And, and it seems like a movie that'd be right up my alley. So why was it not yeah. sort of on the list? of movies? Um, I had to well, see? I think I was just like prioritizing some other stuff. And I think this is one that is more with certain people. So maybe I just didn't necessarily have you pegged for this. But yeah, I, you know, if, if it sounds like you'd like it, then I think you like it. Yeah, um, what, I, what I was referencing right. before about canceling Akiva is there was a, a review of uh, the number one movie, which we'll get to in Variety, which was implied mm -hmm. by certain people to be making a certain comment, which Akiva just said explicitly about the lead actor. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we'll get mm -hmm. to that. Anyway, uh, six is Hamilton. There's really about nothing to talk about Akiva's there. He's trying to move on. Yes. Yeah, I do. I do. We'll get. No. Well, we'll get there. In, we'll get there in a minute. There's no yeah. reason to talk about promising a woman yet. Uh, spoiler. Five is Palm Springs. My, my only question Wait, about Palm Springs, which Hamilton? was really excellent. There's nothing to say about Hamilton. I think there's I nothing disagree. to say about I think, Hamilton. I think I've said a lot about Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, we've said a lot. I mean, like Hamilton. Yeah, it should be in the top 10. It's, Hamilton is like, great. Everybody is right. We can move yeah, on. it's Fine. like it's okay. insane to have a conversation. Yeah, about I mean, I do. Movie. I do think the, mo it's the movie is not really a movie like it's like yeah. uh, a better version of Kramer bootlegging a movie and putting it on like <laughs> they <you know. laughs> they did a really tremendous job. Yeah, with, yeah. it's one with, make it, with adapting it. Into and also different. like a play should be more accessible, like after five or 10 years, like they should be put online. Uh, it doesn't make me want to go see the play less in, in on Broadway, like uh, and, and yeah, it makes, anything, it makes it, theater. It might make people want to see it more. Yeah, I mm -hmm. mean, you get to really see it up close. You get to yeah. see it with uh, with with uh, subtitles. You actually like, know what they're saying. It, yeah. it just it made it really accessible. OK, before we get to the top five, let's take a break for one second. Uh, you may have heard uh, throughout this podcast, my son making lots of noise in the background. And if you're wondering uh, where do babies come from? Well, step one is uh, you may want to get Manscaped. Support for uh, 32 fans this week is brought to you by Manscaped. The best in men's below the waist grooming. Av, are you a customer of Manscaped? And if not, why not? I was going to be a customer of Manscaped until I found out that you might make money off it. And I decided <laughs> we're not going to enrich you further. Yeah. Uh, go to manscaped.com. Use the shipping code. Uh, use the promo code 32 fans. That's the numbers three, two with the word fans. And you get 20 percent off free shipping. Uh, I have uh, discussed on this podcast before. I like the lawnmower 3.0. Good for a uh, cutting edge ceramic blade is good for reducing grooming accidents anywhere on your body. Uh, you could feel confident shaving your boys, your girls, your um, uh, other 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 body parts. Uh, Av, where should we shave Akiva? That's my question. Um, well, I think his head is already, you know, self-shaved. So um, maybe the back. I feel like a lot of people have back hair. It's not talked about hmm. a lot. Akiva, what's your back hair situation? Hello? Did Akiva just I was mute on himself? Mute. I was on mute. Sorry. I don't think I have any any back hair. Congrats to me. Would, yeah, would Vera you. agree or disagree? Mary, do I have back hair? No, I don't have back hair. Hmm. All right. But uh, if you do have back hair, though, you will uh, certainly go to manscaped.com and use promo code 32 fans, right? That's Keep the first thing I would do. Stop That's the first thing yourself. I would do. Okay, you're muting yourself to buy NFT packs right now. You're no, I'm muting myself because my kids are in the background. Yeah, my kids been in the background the whole the whole episode. Who cares? Yeah, it's been ruining the episode. Chester came yeah. 40 minutes late yesterday, 40 yeah. minutes late today. And uh, look, and now he's the king of the castle. King of the uh, castle. King of the castle, yeah. If Akiva did have back hair, who would you be shaving it for him? Would it be Mara? Would he make one of his kids do it? I can't imagine Mara would be willing to participate. If I had um, back hair, would you shave it, Mara? She said she barely could get me to shave my beard. She would shave it if I asked. I would She'd say, say this is so gross the whole time, I, but she'd yeah. do it. I would say, honestly, your kids, well, not your daughters, but your, your sons would have fun with the lawnmower 3.0 because it's got that no, little flashlight. They'd, they'd injure me, though. They like they would have malice no, you can't, in mind. No, you can't injure somebody with the, with the, with the lawnmower 3.0. That's the whole point. Well, then it's perfect, I guess. Yeah. Challenge accepted. Akiva, you literally have one right now. Give it to your kids and have them shave your back today and let us know how it goes. All right, so, for all right? next week. That's a good plan. Yeah. Okay. We'll get feedback next week. All right. 
let's get to the top five. All right. So Palm Springs, my question is, I have not seen or really thought about it since I watched it and loved it. Uh, a but rare also, that's vi- because it happened yeah. like in the very beginning of COVID. Yeah, so of, of course, nobody remembers anything that happened then. I agree. Now, my question is, do you think it, it like it would hold up on a second viewing? Have you watched it again? I have not watched it again. And it's possible what it's. It, yeah, I think it very much. What about a thousand be, viewings? It, yeah. Right time, right place. It was just like the perfect movie at that time period. It's so hard to make a, 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 a nice comedy movie. And they made a really good one. They made a great comedy filled with like good plot, good like time travel twist. Well, it's interesting to me that Akiva is just dismissing it as oh a nice comedy. To me, it's like it's the Groundhog Day for a next generation. No, uh, oh, interesting. Um, yeah, it, it, it I mean, the, one of the problems with the movies is it's not super original, right? It has a nice spin on Dr- Groundhog Day, but it's basically the same thing. They specifically never say the word Groundhog Day, like the concept of it. It does, I guess, it doesn't exist in the movie, but. Well, no, I, but isn't it an obvious homage to Groundhog Day? I don't of think course, they're of course. copying it. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, nobody's denying yeah, I don't that. think they're trying to, like, obvious. pull a fast one on people. But I'm saying, like, <laughs> it's not, it's not the, like, it, they, it's a it's a pretty original spin on it, but it's still, like, not their idea 100%. But, yeah, no, it's great. I'm not knocking it. It was my number two movie of the year. It's really, oh, wow. really, really good. Um, yeah. I think the best thing it does is, like, it, the way it tricks you into thinking you're watching a movie about Eddie Samberg's character, and then, yeah. like, after half an hour, you realize that he's just, like, this entry point, and the story's really about her. I thought that mm-hmm. was re- really well done. Absolutely. And also, I think that makes sense. Like, people are clicking on, on Hulu, and it's like, oh, yeah, you, you want to be there for Andy Samberg. Once you're involved in that world, it could be about anybody. could have killed off Andy Samberg, and that wouldn't have yeah. been great. But, like, you know, you would still stay and watch the movie. Yeah. yeah my, you know, my, 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 my alternate ending for this movie is it, it ends the way it does, which if you remember. I think they great, filmed an alternate not. ending, if I remember. Yeah. So my alternate ending is, it, you know, it does it ends the way it does. And then there's a, uh, a black screen and then you see uh, Bob Saget. And he says, and that's how I met your mother. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, what, Bob Saget what night, of how I met your mother. He's in the well, every he's the voice, he's a, he's the voice oh. in the whole. In the oh, whole I didn't show. know that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one night in Miami. I did not see it. Tell me about One Night in Miami, your number four film of the year. Yeah, so One Night in Miami is what uh, Sammy Chester has described as an Avengers movie of like great black people of the 20th century. Um, it's it's basically I hope this... you worded that more. <laughs> 21st, I assume. <laughs> Diplomatically, yeah. No, right. 20th century. 20th. Huh? Oh, it's, I mean, okay. No, the, the four, the four characters in, in the movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's oh, this okay. imagined um, meeting between Sam Cooke, Cassius Clay, Jim Brown, and Malcolm oh, I, X. Okay, I thought you meant actor. I thought and you by meant the, and this is also basically a play turned into a movie correct and i would say i would say it's probably for me the best or one of the best plays turned into a movie i've ever seen in terms of its ability to transcend like the uh the plainness of it all for lack of words it's just like you never feel like you're watching an adapted play to me even though it takes almost entirely in a single room yeah um, there's just like a cinematic element to this that is usually lacking in those types of adaptations um and it's just really about like these like four incredibly powerful you know black figures of the 1960s and 1970s you know you know, coming together and just like talking in a room. And, you know, it's like these people who have like finally obtained power and like they have different ideas of, you know, what they are, what they ought to do with that power. And, you know, they all have valid view and valid perspective that are really shaped by who they were and who they've become. And it's just like an awesome, just like fly on the wall to just like see these like incredible figures from American history just on screen together. Can I, can I drop a hot take here, by the way? Akiba was saying mm-hmm. how it's, it's good that these movies are now, these plays are now being turned into movies. Looking at your top 10 of, other than number nine and number seven, which I didn't see, what's interesting to me is how many of these movies either, you know, were plays uh, like, you know, Hamilton, One Night in Miami, or like Trial of Chicago 7 absolutely could have been a play, could be a yeah. play. 
And then, you know, uh, I don't want to spoil what's next on the list, but number three and number two on your list are also movies that easily could be plays. And so, oh, so, many, so many of these really, you know, the, the way it, uh, I just think all in. Well, I guess not Nomadland because it's too much travel, but it's interesting to me how, how many of these movies could easily be uh, transformed to theater. All right, well, let's talk um, about number three, the, the assistant. It, uh, would the, what do you think? Is that a playoff? Um, it could be. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the whole, pl- it's the whole much, thing takes you know, place in one in one scene, basically. It so. all takes one place in one office. Day. Yeah. Um, a lot of you know, there's a, there's not a lot that happens. A lot of the uh, the play takes place. Like it's really just this. Um, it's kind of meant to be like this, like Harvey Weinstein figure, um, or you know, other similar types who's like very dominant and abusive of you know of the staff in the this like toxic environment. Um, the movie very notably never has this figure appear. He's just kind of always like looming in the background, which like kind of like makes it like a horror movie about like Me Too almost. Um, and the uh, the lead actress whose name I can't remember at the moment is phenomenal. Just like is it the, Julia like, Garner? Yes, yeah. yes, that is her. Um, just she, like you, you just like see the like the the way that a woman is forced to like navigate such a toxic environment. It just like has to like choose every word she says so carefully, and like every interaction that she has with anyone is so fraught. Um, it's just like so so well done. You know, I I just think you know I think the horror the horror characterization is for this type of story, I think is just like such a clever idea to play it that way. And Matthew McFadden. Uh, Alex, you watched this last night? Yeah, I watched it last night. I got to say, this was not at all, at all what I thought this movie was going to be based on the trailer and based on the way I think I've described it to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think maybe because I've described it as a horror movie. And I I thought it was like a thriller. I I was like, I was watching this movie and I'm like, boy, this first scene is really long. Like it's, it's a short movie, which I appreciate. It's an hour and 26 minutes. And 45 minutes in, I looked at the clock. I'm like, well, when is the plot going to begin? Because nothing like I, I, I don't know why. I don't know based on what you told me or the trailer. I thought it's a movie about a woman who starts a job at an office and everything seems, you know, like like normal. And then she slowly finds out that like people are being murdered or something. And then she takes revenge on them. Like it was not. I kept thinking something was going to happen. That was not at all going to happen. Then I realized halfway through, oh, I just totally misunderstood the trailer, I guess, or what I've told me. But um, yeah, it's um. So it's not, it was not at all what I, what I thought it was going to be. And I guess in that sense, I was, I was kind of disappointed, but yeah, but it's, it's, it's a much more slow, more subtle movie and it's, yeah, it's a very different message. So uh, come in, know, knowing what, what it's going to be and not uh, totally misunderstand. Yeah. And it's, it it's very much more a story about just like structural issues and the way yes. in which like there are the Weinsteins of the world, but like they can't really do anything unless like everybody around them kind of looks the other way. And, but Weinstein know, is like, is, a- is like such a monster and is like, like, you know, like a uh, googly eyes, like, like, you know, everybody like warn your children about it. I think the point of this movie is that like the more subtle versions of those are just everywhere. Right. Cause like she goes like, to, to, to the, pre, the, the aforementioned Matthew McFadden, like the, the PR guy. And, and, and at first in the beginning of that conversation, it seems like he genuinely doesn't understand what she's saying. But then at a certain point you realize like at, at the end oh, of that, he's, meeting, yeah, he's gaslighting her. Yeah. Or, or like when she leaves the elevator, like it's sort of like, no, everybody just knows that the way these are the way things are. And you just have to navigate around that. And it's almost like things are just accepted. Yeah, I mean, it's it's heavily implied that it's and like, by the way, like maybe that is what Weinstein was for 30 years. And, and it's only after the fact that like we're like we're all horrified. But the point is, when it was happening, everybody just looks the other way. And it's like, oh, no, that's fine. And I think we all yeah, I mean, I, that we've it's worked like with who we think are, you know, not maybe exactly analogous to this, but but similar enough that it's uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's 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 definitely, you know, we're supposed to take away that like everyone in this office understands that the guy in charge is this, you know, abusive, you know, 
slash predator guy. And, you know, just like no one really has the courage or the power to stand up to him and like and, and be just ends up enabling his, you know, toxicity and abuse of everyone. I mean, there's like there's a scene where it's like heavily implied that this this girl is being flied into a hotel because the only way to get a job is to sleep with the, the boss here. So, um, you know, I don't I don't know if that quite rises to Weinstein levels, but it's uh, it's pretty close. You know, Av's top three are movies made by women about women. Uh, next up is Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, which Av is at number two. I had at number three. Um, yeah, my and, number my number four are actually all made by women. I didn't even notice that. Well, uh, what was your fourth? One Night in Miami was. Oh, One Night in Miami. Okay, King. yes, yeah, yes, but not about, but not about women. Not about. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, a, a pretty straightforward movie, right? It's about. A, uh, I'd say a high school senior, junior or senior yeah. in rural Pennsylvania who gets pregnant. And when she goes to get an abortion, they won't let her with parental consent and they want her to, you know, basically reconsider and they show her anti abortion uh, paraphernalia. Um, and then um, she decides to go with her cousin to New York City. And then the rest of the movie takes place in New York City, where we see the, uh, you know, how complicated it is for someone like that without real parental consent or parental support we, we, there's not much of the parents in the movie to to get an abortion you know just leave where you live and leave the school year and, and get it um it's a pretty straightforward movie that's incredibly well made yeah and i think that's like the the straightforwardness is almost like what makes it so impressive because it is this like almost mundane story about someone just getting like a health uh, like a like a medical mm -hmm. procedure mm -hmm. um but it's like when you like map on the like the social and political connotations of that and like how what a weighty issue this is in our politics yeah. it just like it adds like so much tension that like shouldn't necessarily be there with what the movie is actually about and it's just like so well made. Cindy Flanagan is just like a marvel. Um, I didn't know who she was before I saw this movie. And now I can't wait to see what she does next. And it's just like, you know, it's very quiet and but just like filled with empathy for its characters. And just I found it just really, really powerful and moving. Yeah. In a little in a, a little some way, it's like a 10 out of 10 after school special movie. Like uh, it's way too good for that. But it is, you know, it, it is sort of like, all right, this is like, you know, the movie on the subject now going forward. Um, amazing scenes, by the way, with the social worker who has a ton of empathy and, and yeah, that those scene are where those she, are incredible scenes. The scene where she asks the questions with you know with the title sequence mm. in it is yeah. just pr probably my favorite scene of any movie this year. The bo the boyfriend uh, who got her pregnant is not really a character in the movie, nor are her parents. So the, the only male character uh, who's super relevant is uh, a guy they meet on the bus who ends up uh, uh, you know not to spoil, just, but uh, helping yeah, them just being a, he's, he's a City. creepy guy, a creepy guy. It's hard I, to get I mean, into that. I, I thought, I mean, I, I thought that shows the real different perspective between her and her friend because for her friend, this is just sort of an adventure. You go mm -hmm. to New York City, sure, right? cousin, whereas, her cousin, but yeah, or yeah. Whereas for her, it's obviously it's so from her perspective, he's a creepy guy because he's sort of you know he's in the way, you know, and and that sort of shows some of the some of the tension between the two of them is you know they're very different perspectives on what the purpose of this trip is. But, yeah. but well, I think I think her friend ultimately agrees that that yeah. guy is it's a hard to get guy. into it without spoiling the movie. But yeah, the OK. And finally, Promising Young Woman, your number one of the year. Also, Akiva's number one. Alex, what did you think of Promising Young Woman? I think it's probably my number one movie of the year, but uh, I have a lot of takes. Okay, well, right, uh, Alex, we're, wait, about it. we're waiting for your takes. I'm promising. Young Woman. Oh. You said you have takes. So it's, it's a very like stylized movie, obviously, you know, like the the, the from, from everything from like the design of her parents house. It was it was very entertaining. 
are you guys familiar with sort of what the original uh, for, okay we spoiler 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 if, if you don't want to know anything about promising young woman uh woman you should definitely see this movie so yeah yeah i podcast. think i think yeah. you have to show me because we're going to talk we, we yeah. have to talk about the ending for the number one movie i agree yeah stop the podcast now uh go see promising young woman and then come back or don't come back it doesn't matter um so the ending was supposed to be the original ending was not supposed to be the ending that we have, sort of the, the quote unquote happy ending. The ending yeah. was supposed to the ending was supposed to be when when she's burned to death. And then basically Correct. they they said, um, you know, we don't want to make a movie like this. So um, which I'm a little bit obviously I'm more satisfied as a viewer. Like you want the I don't the think we're satisfied. talking about this movie if that's how it ends. I think I, I they could have a third ending, like they went somewhere between there was like a third she becomes potential a, ending, according to Wikipedia. Be, somewhere according between she becomes a superhero and like justice is not served. Um, I think that people like if this movie had been in theaters when uh, when this came out and they had the original ending, people would have burned down the theater. Honestly, I think it would have been a big mistake to, to have it like unambiguously like she loses. She's dead. Well, I mean, she never does lose just to serve. It's more. She, of course. She's the biggest. But like, <laughs> yes, yeah. but like justice is is served. Like, so this, so you know. my one issue with this movie and I really, really liked it. And I, I don't think there was a more affecting movie I saw this year. So it's it's a fine choice by out for number one. But like. I thought it was very, very predictable. Like every single mm -hmm. stage of the movie, I, I started. You thought it was predictable? Yeah, I, like, you knew it was going to happen at the end. This movie was predictable. When she I, walks into when she walks into the dean's office, you knew what was going to happen next. When she goes to meet with Allison Brie at the restaurant, like all these scenes, I was like completely taken off the, my seat. Like I, didn't, oh. I had no idea what was happening with oh. any of those. So, scenes. so I don't know. We have different. So my perspective was there was no way that they were going. Like, okay, so let's go back to the Allison Brie scene, right? Yeah. So so as she walks away and gives the key to the guy, I said to Jen and I said, there's no way that that guy's going to do anything to her because this movie is not going to allow the, the character who's the good guy to also be a party to women getting raped. And so well, I don't think so. I don't think she, obviously well, I don't think it, her character is a good guy at all. So that maybe that's a different perspective. Well, okay, we may, okay, maybe you can call it the antihero, but she is the hero of the movie. She's the protagonist of the movie. Yeah, we're, she, she, we're rooting for her. Yes, you're rooting for her. We're yeah, rooting for her, but she, does, but she does horrible things to people in this movie. Well, she she does psychologically damaging things as revenge for people who have aided and abetted rape, basically. Yeah, what she does to Allison Bree and what she does to Coach Taylor's wife, I can't remember uh, her yeah, name, but, 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 um, but, but, are not good things. They're okay. horrible things. She makes them each think that they were a victim of sexual assault, but then right. quickly, Very bad. but but then but then but the point is she she doesn't actually make them a victim of sexual assault. That's my sure, point. sure, still bad though. Agreed, but the movie wants to imply the movie wants you to think, oh, actually, like, like when when she gives the key to the guy and says, yeah, here's your money and she here's her room key. Like you're thinking is, oh, that guy's going to rape Alison Brie. And to me, it was obvious he wasn't. And when she and when she tells Coach Taylor's wife, um, you know, your, your daughter's uh, I left her alone in a hotel room in, in the same room. It, it, to me, it was like, well, no, obviously you didn't, because the movie's not going to allow you to be a person who does that kind of thing, because it completely makes you a complete hypocrite and like undercuts your entire. I don't know. And, and then the other reason I thought this movie was very predictable is because like as soon as the first scene starts, and it, it again a great 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 movie but you know jen and i were saying to each other like there's no way a person does this and does it as many times as she has her notebook has like so many check marks without being the victim and by the way there was a deleted scene i read online where it shows where she's a bunch of bruises from some of her interactions but like you do this to the kind of guys who are creepy enough to do the things that these guys are attempting to do and you're going to be raped or killed or murdered like very mm -hmm. very quickly right yeah you'd basically have to uh, uh bring and so in that you. sense the end of the movie is too obvious to me because like you, she, she has to die like she, she can't she she can't do this and not suffer the, like it just you know like you do this enough times it, the bad things are going to happen to you uh, right. but, but, well, but arguably I, that's what the movie is trying to sure. say is that the but only then way I guess to really achieve justice my is other to, issue is, is and as, as a practical matter as jen pointed out it is impossible the, the timeline because it's her 30th birthday but bo burnham is already uh, ryan is already a pediatric surgeon not possible 
because okay, you have whatever. Who cares? You, you have to. <laughs> not, I'm, not, I'm not even responding to that. Four years yeah. of medical school, and then a, and then a five year surgical residency, and then you have to do. A right, the movie's, the movie's unrealistic. Yeah. yeah so, no, so they should have been thirty. You found the loophole. Yeah, yeah. No, no. But my, my my issue is the fact that this all takes place. All the bad stuff that happened is when they were in medical school, and like the defense is when we were kids. Like, no, you were kids. You medical school. You're in your mid twenties. Like, right. So so here's the issue. I think that if they have it take place in high school then then it's too vague like again because they want our sympathies to lie with her and that these guys are all bad and if they take place in high school then part of you is feeling like okay it's despicable what they did but also like their kids and like 15 and 16 year olds make awful terrible decisions and give into peer pressure and like right we, this we was a grown man who was like maybe yeah. a year from being away from but, being like but an when they make it a medical, so i think that what they should have done is made them all like it, fresh it should have happened like freshman year of college because then they're 18 19 years old it's it just it is impossible to it is impossible for me to believe that I hear what you're saying, but it's nitpicky, and they're not trying to make them redeemable in any because, context. Like the, the guy the, is irredeemable when you but, once you see that he's on the video, but the whole point and he the, is there. But, the, but Akiva, the whole point of this movie is that every single guy, and I even read one of the reviews said like they, and I spoke to Allie about this because I was asking her. Um, Schmidt obviously plays probably the worst person in the movie, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, uh, well, I would argue the top, his, bottom two. Bottom, bottom two. Yeah, sure. there's, bottom there's, two. A clear, yeah. there's a clear two, <laughs> okay. yes. Okay, bottom two. But the point is that I, I was I read in one of the reviews it said that they were they went out of their way in the casting for all the male characters. Um, to be likable, yeah. To, to, they took actors who are known primarily for being Yep, Bo Burnham likable. has a baby face. You know, Bo, Bo Burnham, Burnham yeah. McLovin. Sure. Yes, they're very sure. much playing sure. off their known but commodities Schmidt, in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, but Schmidt is is not that. So I said. So I said to Ali, I said like Schmidt seems like the kind of guy who absolutely would be at a bachelor party, like egging on, you know, despicable behavior. Um, but so yeah, was, but like his the Schmidt version is much more lovable and like sure. he's, he's yes. able to like toe the line between yeah, like this douchey he's not, guy. He's not going to murder Zoe Deschanel. Like cut her up in a yeah. Well, fair. Spoiler, non you know spoiler. Well, as I said to Ali, I said I've only seen a scene and a half of New Girl, so uh, maybe it takes some dark turns. Uh, Ali told me that he does the worst thing anyone does on that show, but it hasn't happened yet. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. Wait, it might be vote for Trump. I'm not sure. So, we'll see. <laughs> um, I don't know. But um, so but so so I think the but the point of this movie is it's saying that every single guy, even guys who call themselves quote nice guys, are still sort of a. a part of this culture and i just i i'm sure that some people i know would obviously you know god forbid not be you know the, the, what what al does or what joe does but would be sort of like the ryan type guy for sure. but i but i think that the overwhelming majority i mean that's are, even that is a strong opinion like he's in the room for well that's for what i'm this. saying that's exactly the over i'm saying the overwhelming majority of people i know would never ever 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 do that when they were in their mid-20s when you're 15 i think it's possible you give into peer pressure and something awful's happening and you laugh along like that i can i just i find it impossible to believe that like all men would be this reprehensibly evil when they're 25 years old and they say oh no we were just kids you weren't kids you were in medical school you were like an mm -hmm. adult you were like yeah but they are reprehensibly evil and and uh, like it's not like an unrealistic case it's something that's you know but that everybody was like that i don't know i just i i, I, wish I mean we they, don't know like we don't wish we, they, they never show the video and we, you know you don't know exactly that video but, is pretty um, bad from what well, we, I think the video it's implied that like he kind of like walks in, sees what's going on and mm -hmm. then like walks out because like, no, 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 of course. But yeah, I'm saying, you don't know how many people laughs, witness the crime is what I'm saying. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like if this many people witness this crime, uh, by the way, I love how there's like video evidence, but like not also like it, and I, I agree for sure that that our justice system is, is way too 
dismissive of these things but like the scene with the cop with with bo burnham is like almost like a joke like it doesn't happen like that oh your girlfriend disappeared the day you broke up with her oh we'll take your word for it. we don't even look into it at all or like yeah. oh there's a rape allegation oh we won't even find out if there's a movie uh, there's a video clip of it that has been seen by everybody apparently like mm -hmm. um yeah. so it's like it's a little too perfect like for example her text messages come at the wedding like she knew that the mail would arrive at the lawyer's office just yeah in time, that, like, that's yeah. obviously supposed yeah. to be like with for sure yeah, the lawyer is yeah. like I a like magical character and she turns into a magical character at the end with that yeah, I, I honestly i i, I agree there are definitely definitely are fair issues with this movie. It's like messy in a lot of ways, but I think the movie kind of like embraces its own messiness in a way sure. that most movies like that don't do. And I think that's part of what makes it just like so appealing and so entertaining. And just like, I've seen this movie three times now. And it's like, it's the movie from this year that every podcast that I subscribe to when I see they, they drop their Promising Young Women episode, I listen to it because I just like want to hear like more people experiencing this movie and like what their takes are. Um, yeah, I don't, want, to, like, I don't I, want it to I, sound I, like I don't like the movie. I think I'm, I'm sounding too negative. Well, yeah, you said it's yeah. your number one movie of the year. So I yeah. think that's, uh, you know, that's a good yeah. place to put it if, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't like it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just, it, this movie just like wears its heart on its sleeve, like so boldly. It just like has like such a distinct point of view. It's like very clear what it's trying to say at so many different points. And and I just think it's, you know, it's it's incredible. And I think anyone would enjoy this movie and get something out of it. It's definitely the movie this year that above all others, I'm telling people, if you see one movie this year, this is the movie of the year. And I do I do think I know too many and, and all of us do because I'm talking about some mutual friends in some cases, too many sort of toxic males whose their default position is always like, oh, well, you know, the accusations are on, like sort of. You know, like the there's been articles about like, you know, how in some respect there's been articles sort of written from right of center perspectives about how the Obama administration introduced new 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 rules. And it's sort of now like the default is too much trusting of, of accusers or and like I have too many friends who are sort of of that persuasion. And I think they would benefit to see this movie and, and understand like sort of their skewed perspective and their, uh, you know, the strong bias of their views. So, Her. yeah, and I, and I read a review with the um, the director who, by the way, also plays Camilla Parker Bowles in an Akiva's least the favorite Crown. show, The Crown. I've never um, seen it. It's not my yeah. least favorite show, but yeah, yeah, but well, I don't like see it because yeah. So I, I was actually sure wondering. So is he? He's probably can be found guilty of obstruction of justice, right? Because he went and gave an official statement, which like what, what's like sort of yeah. In, I in mean, the epilogue at a minimum, the movie, like lying to investigators. Exactly. So in the um, epilogue movie, yeah. he also suffers, and so he's more he's more than just like she was almost you know the director's almost too sympathetic to his character in the way she describes him. I think. Like what he does yeah, no, is it's, reprehensible. It's, he actually loves her. He told her he loves her, and then he just like lets her be mur like her murder be covered up. Sounds like, it sounds like you hate this movie. No, I, I love this movie. And <laughs> I know, I, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. The, the, the movie's about toxic masculinity, which I, which I definitely agree is a significant problem. I, 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 think, I think it just should have aged the characters down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, to your point, there's that line where he, the second time that she like does her shtick and she confronts McLovin, he's like, I'm, an, I'm a nice guy. And she's like, are you really? Yeah. Well, no, well, and he's it's like, obviously not, yeah. No, but it's like there's a, I think, a mentality that many men have that sure. if I'm not like actively going out and like physically like raping someone like gunpoint, then like I'm a nice guy. And like, I'm just like, I'm first trying to find a girlfriend and like, well, on, I put you up but, in a bar. I mean, McLovin is raping somebody, though. He is, but like not in the like the violent way. Like he, like he, okay, he, sure. he has told himself a story about that. How what he's doing is different from like those bad guys. Sure. No, I understand that. And and the implication of the movie is that many more people do what McLovin does than than we think. Right? Yeah. All right. Uh, this has been uh, our movie cast for 2021. Okay, Best yeah, movies yeah. of 2020. Yeah. All right. Uh, goodbye, everybody. Uh, thank you so much. You did a great job as usual. We'll be back next year, hopefully with a movie year or movies that were seen in theaters. And uh, maybe next year's movies will be uh, the best of all time, or maybe there were no movies filmed this year because of COVID. It could even be worse next year. All right, we'll find out. Bye, everybody. <laughs>